Chapter fourteen of La Barre by Jory Karl Heismans. Translated by Keen Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. From this scene he had learned an alarming lesson that the flesh domineers the soul and refuses to admit any schism the flesh decisively does not intend that one shall get along without it and indulge in out-of-the-world pleasures which it can partake only on condition that it keep quiet for the first time reviewing these turpitudes he really understood the meaning of that now obsolete word chastity and he savoured it in all its pristine freshness just as a man who has drunk too deeply the night before thinks the morning after of drinking nothing but mineral water in future so he dreamed to-day of pure affection far from a bed he was still ruminating these thoughts when des hermies entered they spoke of amorous misadventures astonished at once by durtal's languor and the ascetic tone of his remarks des hermies exclaimed ah we had a gay old time last night with the most decisive bad grace durtal shook his head then replied des hermies you are superior and inhuman to love without hope immaculately would be perfect if it did not induct such brainstorms there is no excuse for chastity unless one has a pious end in view or unless the senses are failing and if they are one had best see a doctor who will solve the question more or less unsatisfactorily to tell the truth everything on earth culminates in the act you reprove the heart which is supposed to be the noble part of man has the same form as the penis which is the so-called ignoble part of man there's symbolism in that similarity because every love which is of the heart soon extends to the organ resembling it the human imagination the moment it tries to create artificially animated beings involuntarily reproduces in them the movements of animals propagating look at the machines the action of the piston and the cylinder romeos of steel and juliets of cast iron nor do the loftier expressions of the human intellect get away from the advance and withdrawal copied by the machines one must bow to nature's law if one is neither impotent nor a saint now you are neither the one nor the other i think but if from inconceivable motives you desire to live in temporary continence follow the prescription of an occultist of the sixteenth century the neapolitan piperno he affirms that whoever eats vervain cannot approach a woman for seven days buy a jar and let's try it durtal laughed there is perhaps a middle course never consummate the carnal act with her you love and to keep yourself quiet frequent those you do not love thus in a certain measure you would conjure away possible disgust no one would never get it out of one's head that with the woman of whom one was enamoured one would experience carnal delights absolutely different from those which one feels with the others so your method also would end badly and two the women who would not be indifferent to one have not charity and discretion enough to admire the wisdom of this selfishness for of course that's what it is but what say now to putting on your shoes it's almost six o'clock and mama carre's beef can't wait it had already been taken out of the pot and couched on a platter amid vegetables when they arrived carre sprawling in an armchair was reading his breviary what's going on in the world he asked closing his book nothing politics doesn't interest us and general boulanger's american tricks of publicity weary you as much as they do us i suppose the other newspaper stories are just a little more shocking or dull than usual look out you'll burn your mouth as durtal was preparing to take a spoonful of soup in fact said durtal grimacing 
this marrowy soup so artistically golden is like liquid fire but speaking of the news what do you mean by saying there is nothing of pressing importance and the trial of that astonishing abbe boud going on before the assizes of aveyron after trying to poison his curate through the sacramental wine and committing such other crimes as abortion rape flagrant misconduct forgery qualified theft and usury he entered by appropriating the money put in the coin boxes for the souls in purgatory and pawning the ciborium chalice and all the holy vessels that case is worth following carre raised his eyes to heaven if he is not sent to jail there will be one more priest for paris said des hermies how's that why all the ecclesiastics who get in bad in the provinces or who have a serious falling out with the bishop are sent here where they will be less in view lost in the crowd as it were they form a part of that corporation known as scratch priests what are they priests loosely attached to a parish you know that in addition to a curate ministrants vicars and regular clergy there are in every church adjunct priests supply priests those are the ones i am talking about they do the heavy work celebrate the morning masses when everybody is asleep and the late masses when everybody is doing it is they who get up at night to take the sacrament of the poor and who sit up with the corpses of the devout rich and catch cold standing under the dripping church porches at funerals and get sunstroke or pneumonia in the cemetery they do all the dirty work for a five or ten franc fee they act as substitutes for colleagues who have good livings and are tired of service they are men under a cloud for the most part churches take them on ready to fire them at a moment's notice and keep strict watch over them while waiting for them to be interdicted or to have their celebre taken away i simply mean that the provincial parishes excavate on the city the priests who for one reason or another have ceased to please but what do the curates and other titulary abbés do if they unload their duties onto the backs of others they do the elegant easy work which requires no effort no charity they shrive society women who come to confession in their most stunning gowns they teach proper little prigs the catechism and preach and play the limelight roles in the gala ceremonials which are got up to pander to the tastes of the faithful at paris not counting the scratch priests the clergy is divided thus man of the world priests in easy circumstances these are placed at la madeleine and saint roch where the congregations are wealthy they are wined and dined they pass their lives in drawing-rooms and comfort only elegant souls other priests who are good desk clerks for the most part but who have neither the education nor the fortune necessary to participate in the inconsequentialities of the idle rich they live more in seclusion and visit only among the middle class they console themselves for their unfashionableness by playing cards with each other and uttering crude commonplaces at the table now de hermie said carre you are going too far i claim to know the clerical world myself and there are even in paris honest men who do their duty they are covered with opprobrium and spat on every tom dick and harry accuses them of the foulest vices but after all it must be said that the abbe boudes and the canon d'ocres are exceptions thank god and outside of paris there are veritable saints especially among the country clergy it's a fact that satanic priests are relatively rare and the lecheries of the clergy and the knaveries of the episcopate are evidently exaggerated by an ignoble press but that isn't what i have against them if only they were gamblers and libertines but they're lukewarm mediocre lazy imbeciles that is their sin against the holy ghost the only sin which the all-merciful does not pardon 
they are of their time said durtal you wouldn't expect to find the soul of the middle ages inculcated by the milk and water seminaries then carhe observed our friend forgets that there are impeccable monastic orders the carthusians for instance yes and the trappists and the franciscans but they are cloistered orders which live in shelter from an infamous century take on the other hand the order of saint dominique which exists for the fashionable world that is the order which produces jewelled dudes like Montsabre and didon enough said they are the hussars of religion the jaunty lances the spick and span and primped up zouaves while the good capuchins are the humble poilus of the soul said durtal if only they loved bells sighed carre shaking his head well pass the coulommiers he said to his wife who was taking up the salad bowl and the plates in silence they ate this brie type cheese des hermies filled the glasses tell me durtal asked des hermies do you know whether a woman who receives visits from the incubi necessarily has a cold body in other words is a cold body a presumable symptom of incubacy as of old the inability to shed tears served the inquisition as proof positive to convict witches yes i can answer you formerly women smitten with incubacy had frigid flesh even in the month of august the books of the specialists bear witness but now the majority of the creatures who voluntarily or involuntarily summon or receive the amorous larvae have on the contrary a skin that is burning and dry to the touch this transformation is not yet general but tends to become so i remember very well that dr joannes he of whom gevinger told you was often obliged at the moment when he attempted to deliver the patient to bring the body back to normal temperature with lotions of dilute hydriodate of potassium ah said durtal who was thinking of madame chanteloube you don't know what has become of dr joannes asked carre he is living very much in retirement at lyon he continues i believe to cure venefices and he preaches the blessed coming of the paraclete for heaven's sake who is this doctor asked durtal he is a very intelligent and learned priest he was superior of a community and he directed here in paris the only review which ever was really mystical he was a theologian much consulted a recognized master of divine jurisprudence then he had distressing quarrels with the papal courier at rome and with the cardinal archbishop of paris his exorcisms and his battles against the incubi especially in the female convents ruined him ah, i remember the last time i saw him as if it were yesterday i met him in the rue grenelle coming out of the archbishop's house the day he quitted the church after a scene which he told me all about again i can see that priest walking with me along the deserted boulevard des invalides he was pale and his defeated but impressive voice trembled he had been summoned and commanded to explain his actions in the case of an epileptic woman whom he claimed to have cured with the aid of a relic the seamless robe of christ preserved at argenteuil the cardinal assisted by two grand vicars listened to him standing when he had likewise furnished the information which they demanded about his cures of witch spells cardinal guibert said you had best go to la trappe and i remember word for word his reply if i have violated the laws of the church i am ready to undergo the penalty of my fault if you think me culpable pass a canonical judgment and i will execute it i swear on my sacerdotal honour but i wish a formal sentence for in law nobody is bound to condemn himself nemo set radere tenetur says the corpus juris canonici there was a copy of his review on the table 
the cardinal pointed to a page and asked did you write that yes eminence infamous doctrines and he went from his office into the next room crying out of my sight then joannes advanced as far as the threshold of the other room and falling on his knees he said eminence i had no intention of offending if i have done so i beg forgiveness the cardinal cried more loudly out of my sight before i call for assistance joannes rose and left all my old ties are broken he said as he parted from me he was so sad that i had not the heart to question him further there was a silence carre went up to his tower to ring a peal his wife removed the dessert dishes and the cloth des hermies prepared the coffee durtal pensive rolled his cigarette Carré, when he returned, as if enveloped in a fog of sounds, exclaimed, A while ago, des Hermies, you were speaking of the Franciscans. Do you know that that order, to live up to its professions of poverty, was supposed not to possess even a bell? True, this rule has been relaxed somewhat. It was too severe. Now they have a bell, but only one. Just like most other abbeys, then? No, because all communities have at least three, in honour of the holy and triple hypostasis. Do you mean to say that the number of bells a monastery or church can have is limited by rule? Formerly it was. There was a pious hierarchy of ringing. The bells of a convent could not sound when the bells of a church pealed. They were the vassals, and respectful and submissive as became their rank, they were silent when the suzerain spoke to the multitudes. These principles of procedure, consecrated in 1590 by a canon of the Council of Toulouse, and confirmed by two decrees of the Congress of Rights, are no longer followed. The rulings of San Carlo Borromeo, who decreed that a church should have from five to seven bells, a boys' academy three, and a parochial school two, are abolished. Today churches have more or fewer bells as they are more or less rich. Oh well, why worry? Where are the little glasses? His wife brought them, shook hands with the guests, and retired. Then while Carré was pouring the cognac, des Hermies said in a low voice, I did not want to speak before her, because these matters distress and frighten her, but I received a singular visit this morning from Gévinger, who is running over to Lyon to see Dr. Joannes. He claims to have been bewitched by Canon Docre, who it seems is making a flying visit to Paris. What have been their relations? I don't know. Anyway, Gévinger is in a deplorable state. Just what seems to be the matter with him? asked Durtal. I positively do not know. I made a careful auscultation and examined him thoroughly. He complains of needles pricking him around the heart. I observed nervous trouble and nothing else. What I am most worried about is a state of enfeeblement inexplicable in a man who is neither cancerous nor diabetical. Ah, said Carré, I suppose people are not bewitched now with wax images and needles, with the manei or the dajid as it was called in the good old days. No, those practices are now out of date and almost everywhere fallen into disuse. Gévinger, who took me completely into his confidence this morning, told me what extraordinary recipes the frightful canon uses. These are, it seems, the unrevealed secrets of modern magic. Ah, that's what interests me, exclaimed Durtal. Of course, I limit myself to repeating what was told me, resumed des Hermies, lighting his cigarette. Well, Docre keeps white mice in cages, and he takes them along when he travels. He feeds them on consecrated hosts, and on pastes impregnated with poisons skilfully dosed. When these unhappy beasts are saturated, he takes them, holds them over a chalice, and with a very sharp instrument he pricks them here and there. 
the blood flows into the vase and he uses it in a way which i shall explain in a moment to strike his enemies with death formerly he operated on chickens and guinea pigs but he used the grease not the blood of these animals become thus execrated and venomous tabernacles formerly he also used a recipe discovered by the satanic society of the re theurgie stuptimate of which i have spoken before and he prepared a hash composed of flour meat eucharist bread mercury animal semen human blood acetate of morphine and aspic oil latterly and according to gévinger this abomination is more perilous yet he stuffs fishes with communion bread and with toxins skilfully graduated these toxins are chosen from those which produce madness or lockjaw when absorbed through the pores then when these fishes are thoroughly permeated with the substances sealed by sacrilege docre takes them out of the water lets them rot distills them and expresses from them an essential oil one drop of which will produce madness this drop it appears is applied externally by touching the hair as in balzac's thirteen hmm said durtal i am afraid that a drop of this oil long ago fell on the scalp of poor old gévinger what is interesting about this story is not the outlandishness of these diabolical pharmacopoeia so much as the psychology of the persons who invent and manipulate them think this is happening at the present day and it is the priests who have invented filters unknown to the sorcerers of the middle ages the priests no a priest and what a priest remarked Carret. gévinger is very precise he affirms that others use them bewitchment by veniniferous blood of mice took place in eighteen seventy nine at chalon sur marne in a demoniac circle to which the canon belonged it is true in eighteen eighty three in savoy the oil of which i have spoken was prepared in a group of defrocked abbés as you see docre is not the only one who practices this abominable science it is known in the convents some laymen even have an inkling of it but now admitting that these preparations are real and that they are active you have not explained how one can poison a man with them either from a distance or near at hand yes that's another matter one has a choice of two methods to reach the enemy one is aiming at the first and least used is this the magician employs a voyant a woman who is known in that world as a flying spirit she is a somnambulist who put into a hypnotic state can betake herself in spirit wherever one wishes her to go it is then possible to have her transmit the magic poisons to a person whom one designates hundreds of leagues away those who are stricken in this manner have seen no one and they go mad or die without suspecting the venefice but these voyants are not only rare they are also unreliable because other persons can likewise fix them in a cataleptic state and extract confessions from them so you see why persons like docre have recourse to the second method which is surer it consists in evoking just as in spiritism the soul of a dead person and sending it to strike the victim with the prepared spell the result is the same but the vehicle is different there concluded des hermies reported with painstaking exactness are the confidences which our friend gévinger made me this morning and dr joannes cures people poisoned in this manner asked Carré. yes dr joannes to my knowledge has made inexplicable cures but with what gévinger tells me in this connection that the doctor celebrates a sacrifice to the glory of melchizedek i haven't the faintest idea what this sacrifice is but gévinger will perhaps enlighten us if he returns cured in spite of all i should not be displeased once in my life to get a good look at canon d'ocre said durtal not i he is the incarnation of the accursed on earth 
cried carré assisting his friends to put on their overcoats he lighted his lantern and while they were descending the stair as durtal complained of the cold des hermies burst into a laugh if your family had known the magical secrets of the plants you would not shiver this way he said it was learned in the sixteenth century that a child might be immune to heat or cold all his life if his hands were rubbed with the juice of absinthe before the twelfth month of his life had passed that you see is a tempting prescription less dangerous than those which canon d'ocre abuses once below after carre had closed the door of his tower they hastened their steps for the north wind swept the square after all said des hermies satanism aside and yet satanism also is a phase of religion admit that for two miscreants of our sort we hold singularly pious conversations i hope they will be counted in our favour up above no merit on our part replied durtal for what else is there to talk about conversations which do not treat of religion or art are so base and vain End of chapter fourteen